Welcome to episode two of our podcast series, Tax Engines, To Be or Not To Be. So I'm joined again by my, by my, uh, my, my colleagues in arms here, uh, Jano, Mustafa, and, and Elliot. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll hope to have a healthy debate on, uh, on one of our favorite topics uh, as we get into this. So, so just to, to level set for everybody, Tax Engine in its broadest sense is a, is a tool or a piece of technology that, as the name suggests, helps, helps uh, organizations manage different pieces of tax functionality. And, and you often see them, you know, in, in parts of the world where you have complicated corporate tax regimes, you see engines or tools uh, that organizations use to manage the tax provision to make sure that, you know, risk is managed appropriately from a corporate income tax perspective. That's one usage. Another one is, is for compliance. You often see uh, tools that are used to help organizations produce corporate tax returns or even VAT returns referred to as, as tax engines. The, the engine, quote unquote, that we wanted, I think, to talk a little bit about today is really, you know, what, what I'll say, for, for lack of a better expression, is a, is a VAT determination engine. Uh, and and that, that comes up a lot in our practice. Uh, we've done a lot of work helping organizations uh, implement tax engines uh, here in the GCC particularly in the countries that have already uh, already set up an, uh, a VAT regime, you know, notably the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and, and in, in a few weeks, o Oman, uh, both Kuwait and Qatar, you know, don't, don't hold us to this, but we'll likely implement VAT, you know, best guess sometime in the next 12 months. And, and I think a lot of our clients in those countries are now proactively looking at what types of technology they can use to manage the, their, their VAT determination to, to, be, to be transparent. And, and we've got a lot of people that are moving towards a, a tax engine, uh, a VAT determination engine for, for clarity. And then, and then on the other side of the fence, we've got a lot of organizations that, that aren't convinced that that's the right answer for, for a bunch of reasons. So, so we, we thought we'd just sort of de debate it a little bit. Um, and, and see maybe if at the end of our debate, we can get to a conclusion. So, so let's just jump into it, guys. What, 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 what do we think? Elliot, let me start with you. You, t you tended to always be on the side of the fence of, of pro-engine. Well, I, I think for me, hard to shake off the 10 years of uh, inspecting people and checking to see they got their VAT and taxes right. Mm -hmm. So tools or similar type of um, machines that help to get tax right, I'm, I'm in favor. So for me, if you look at uh, what these what these engines do, they're going to help you get your tax right. And for a region such as this, where there hasn't been a lot of tax before, but a lot of charges, anything that offers or appears to offer a simple solution to get get your numbers right on the forms, then that's good for me. Hmm. Fair, fair, fair enough, and, and and I think you know that's very consistent with what we hear from from a lot of our clients. They're looking for certainty, looking for a, you know that special magic box. That, that sort of helps them put all of their tax concerns uh, or at least address a, a lot of what they, 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 need to, they need to think about. Jeno, you've historically been on the other side of the fence on this one. Uh, and, I, and I know we've had a lot of interesting conversations with clients where we're sort of really trying to help them get to the right answer here. What, 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 what do you think about it? Yeah, so, so I'm not necessarily against a tax engine. Hmm. I, I do, however, think that there is a, a place where tax engine play a role and a place where sometimes the tax engines are an overkill. Um, and I see that there is a lot of misconceptions about tax engines. And one of the misconceptions that I see is that the tax engine um, is not a plug and play. Um, 
because it tends to be complicated to implement a text engine, especially if you have multiple systems. And to give an example, in the financial services sector, and um, if you look at the banks, for example, if you plug in a text engine, it's connecting to different sorts of systems and getting those connections right is, is difficult. And it cannot be done without looking at those systems uh, in the first place. And only once you get the source right, then you connect the text engine. Um, although the conception is that you plug it into all your systems and the rules are in the text engine and, and it works. Mm -hmm. But I've seen many instances where it doesn't work because the source systems are overlooked, data is missing in the source systems, and the users of those source systems have not been educated with VAT. So, so, so what about, I mean, you know, I, in, in my experience, thinking about it from a North American perspective, and I look at the genesis of how, you know, a lot of the tools in the marketplace, and we, we won't name names uh, of what, what the software is, but a lot of it was born out of a need where you would have, you know, U.S. sales and use tax, or even in Europe where you have multiple rates across multiple countries, and you just can't, you know, you just can't really manage that in one, in one system. So, I mean, I, I could potentially see the virtues of, of a tax engine if you were based in Qatar and you had operations throughout the Middle East and maybe maybe in, into Europe. Um, but where I struggle with it is, is sort of one, you know, one country, one VAT rate. You know, VAT being, you know, complicated, but still relatively simple in the broad scheme of things. And, and putting, putting a, a complicated machine in there to just manage that. Yeah. No, I agree. I, the the companies that I've historically seen using tax engines are companies with a global footprint, um, companies who have to deal with tax obligations in 50 countries, 80 countries. And of course, when you have that footprint, you don't have the time to take to, to, to track the rate changes in every, every single country. Yeah. Now, if you only operate in Saudi Arabia, for example, and the rate changes uh, from 5 to 15%, Everybody's aware of that. Everybody knows the rules about it. And you make the changes in your, in your system quite easily. Whereas if you do that for 50 countries and it's much more complicated. So, so let's pick up on that last point about, about you know, making the changes in the system, right? Because I, I think the, the, the obvious alternative to using an engine is actually going into SAP or Oracle or what, whatever your baseline system is and you know, doing the tax coding. I mean, it's, it's a little more complicated than that, but, but people will, I think, follow that, like doing the tax coding in your native ERP instead of an engine. I, I guess, Elliot, you, know, you, you might say that, you know, potentially if I have a lot of systems that I need to kind of go in and update, then, then aren't I back to really looking at a tax engine? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that Chad is moving towards my point of view. <laughs> um, I, I think that is part of the attraction, certainly for the, the big MNCs that trade around the world. It gives you that ability to constantly receive information and update systems automatically. Uh, and then when you come to this region too, for companies that are further afield and operate across Europe and, and the UK and North America, that really works very well. I, th I think I think that makes sense. Like, like my... Yeah, you know, my, my, my personal view is often that, you know, don't don't spend don't spend money, don't invest in, you know, we often use the expression like you don't you don't necessarily need a Formula One car to, to cross the street to, to buy a cup of coffee, right? You go sometimes I think putting a big, sophisticated, sexy tax engine in place to, to manage one rate is uh, is a little bit overkill. So so Mustafa, you've been quiet here, um, which is a little bit uncharacteristic for these are free donuts for the for the for the mad professor or whatever it is we're we're calling you these days. Um, what do you think? 
So to answer that question, the way I want to look at this is that an, an engine or a bolt-on is nothing but uh, an additional tool or a third-party application which will integrate with an ERP to perform a particular activity or a service that basically outsource what an ERP should be doing. But if you look at what an ERP was designed to do traditionally, it was meant to handle these rudimentary tasks of determination. But obviously, as we've seen over the last decade or so, there's been stagnation in innovation by some of the premier kind of ERP vendors. And that is why the evolution of engines have come into the fore. But that stagnation has somewhat uh, receded in the last couple of years. And ERP vendors are now looking at ways of transforming and improving their systems. And that has been coupled by uh, the evolution in ERP from on-premise to cloud. If you look at these kind of solutions that these vendors are providing, you know, the, the big companies like SAP, for example, uh, which have their own class of um, determination solutions, which are all hosted in the cloud, could be another angle at, at, at looking at determination. Whereas I know, Jano, you might argue, or Mustafa, you know, this tool that you're talking about is nothing but an engine, which is true. But a lot of these companies are not just looking at engines from a traditional standpoint. They're looking at it more from a, a digital kind of perspective, and which is where AI and ML mm. come into the fore. Because if you look at typical standard uh, engines in the past, uh, and we can name a number of different vendors, they use a classical decision tree mechanism. That is ultimately from a, from a back end how they do the determination. But decision tree isn't the only way. There's a more intuitive, more smart way which could use classification. And classification falls under ML. And these are the things that some of these vendors are looking at. So to answer your question, if we go beyond the next couple of years, we will definitely see more and more vendors, not just the traditional ERP giants coming up with their more cloud-based platforms to address these determination issues, but we may see more smaller, more niche companies come to the fore to compete with ERP vendors. So that's kind of my perspective. I think that's a really interesting perspective from Mustafa, and, and I don't know if anybody's listening out there, maybe you're giving them ideas for, for startups, I don't know. But uh, listen, is that something that you're, that you're, that we're seeing develop, or are you, or are you a little bit more hypothesizing about what you're predicting we might see? So there's a number of academic uh, articles that have been written about this in the last year. It's, you know, the use of AI and ML can definitely be used from a determination standpoint. I mean, if it can be used from a, a compliance angle, why can't it be used from a determination angle? Mm -hmm. But the problem with AI and ML at the moment is that in order for it to work, and we have this problem with kind of the, the black box algorithm solutions, you need to ensure obviously data is correct. And I think that's what Jenna I think, alluded earlier on. But at the same time, you need to think about that if you have a black box algorithm, which leverages um, ML or AI, for example, to do determination, um, if there's an issue with the computation of the algorithm, how easy is it for tax practitioners to look into that box and understand where the mistakes are? And that's kind of maybe preventing, uh, you know, why we haven't seen potential solutions that have leveraged the solution. Okay. If you look at more, um, you know, maybe supervised or maybe more unsupervised ways of learning that these tools can do, if these kind of algorithms become even more f smarter in the way that you can read, detect, and learn from users' keystrokes, then in the future, that will only help systems become, if not as good, but not better than humans in in, okay. in predicting determination yeah. scores. Fair Who needs auditors then, you know? Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, it, it kind of goes along with what we talked about last time about, you know, the whole digitization of the tax supply chain. Um, so, so listen, folks, we're, we're probably we're probably at time here. Um, so I just, just sort of to, to sort of wrap it all up, I, I, I guess I would end with, um, you know, like, like most things in, in life, there's not necessarily a right or, or a wrong answer when it comes to these kinds of things. I think, I think what is important, at least from, from our perspective, 
you know, in, in the clients that we're talking to, and maybe the message to, to, to those of you listening is, is, you know, to do something, right? Like I, I think using technology uh, in 2021 to manage tax functionality, to manage tax determination should be a thoughtful exercise. And, and, and to be fair, I think a lot of certainly what we're seeing in the region is a lot of activity in this space. And I think with, with more VAT coming and potentially more taxes coming, um, you know, to be thoughtful about that approach is, is, really the, is really the key message and probably probably the only way to reconcile this this, this morning. So, so, you know, unless there's any further thoughts, maybe we'll, we'll leave it there for today, guys. Thanks, everybody, for, for listening once again. And uh, we're excited about uh, our podcast series here and look forward to, uh, to session three, which uh, will be coming your way in a few weeks.